Last week on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we kicked off coverage of Belgravia, the next chapter. In that episode, we met Frederick Trenchard, the son of Oliver Trenchard. And man, does that guy have a lot of baggage. He met uh, his wife, Clara. Uh, they got married. They're doing too well. They're not too happy. And pretty much we're going to pick up from there this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. You don't have to worry. And the new chapter continues. We are back with Belgravia. Uh, how's it going, Corey? I'm doing just fine. How are you holding in, uh, holding up, Dave? I'm, not I'm holding, holding up. I'm holding up. Just got back from uh, MAGFest, the video game festival convention mm-hmm. that we've been going to for a while now. And uh, long, long weekend. Are you are you wide awake right now? How are you feeling? Are you are you? I feel good. Too? I think is okay. So we, we, this thing, you didn't go this year, Corey, but historically we've been about a five minute walk from where this convention is. So Mm -hmm. you can really zombify the whole thing. You can just sort of wander over at eight o'clock in the morning and play some pinball or do whatever. This year it is sold out. Yeah. 20,000 people were there. So (laughs) the middle of January, (laughs) in the middle of January. So it sold out. So we had to stay about 10 minutes away. So I think we wound up kind of shifting our days differently so we were out of there by 11 or whatever every day mm-hmm. and in our out of your house at 11 in the morning you mean you know it, it, like at 11 p.m like getting back oh okay so you stayed the whole day at this convention surrounded by thousands of people yeah well not not constantly surrounded we we walked around we had a friend at the hotel so we went there mm-hmm. but instead of like burning the midnight oil until like two or three in the morning we were usually in bed by like 1230 or one. So, okay. That seems a little less. uh, Yeah. Oh yeah. A little less hungover too. You know, the older you get, the more you live and you learn. So, oh yeah. No, that was the one thing I was thinking about that I was missing was like those three to 4 a.m. nights of just drinking and eating Doritos and playing games and then feeling like trash the next morning and then doing it again. Oh yeah. Well, there's only, you know, only so many Doritos you can have in your backpack. So the, the, That's fair. That got cut down. How how was masking this year? Was it still in full effect there? It wasn't. It definitely not in full effect. I would okay. say because it's not required. I think it was maybe. Okay. I would say ten percent. Wow. Okay. Because yeah, the past a, couple of years they were like still like you gotta you gotta be masked up. Which no, I'm was not okay enforced. With, so, but all right. That were people forward. that wanted to did. People that didn't didn't. Understandable. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I've just been here uh, chilling in the cold in New York. We got it. We were colder down there. We had a we had snow. We had three inches of snow. We had to tra- traverse through Crimea River. You're out playing games till eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> yep. Uh, in snow. Yeah. Well, before we dive into Belgravia, there's only one piece of news, uh, mm-hmm. and that is Michael and Michelle. So you know. Uh, What's his last name? Michael Fox. Uh, Andy from Downton Abbey. Michelle Dockery. We know Lady Mary from Downton Abbey. They are a duo. Mm-hmm. They make music together. And this week, they're having their mini tour. Uh, it actually, we're recording this on the 22nd. So their first show is tonight in London and Lafayette. It probably has already happened because we're hours ahead of them. But the 23rd, they're in Manchester Band on, uh, on the Wall. The 24th, Leeds uh, Brunel Social Club. 25th, Glasgow Oren Moore. 
27th, Dublin Whalens, and February 1st, Stroud Subrooms. Uh, they're doing a, a small series of shows there because they just had an EP come out in December, and there's mm-hmm. a whole interview with them on Stereoboard.com just talking about their inspirations and um, what really inspired them to make some uh, music. And yeah, I listen to the music. It's not for me, <laughs> but I can definitely see how it uh, it has an audience. It's very uh, coffee room, uh, you know, coffee shop uh, listening type of music. Well, the good news is if they ever come to the States, it'll be very easy for us to go. Yeah, we just got to find what coffee shop they're playing at. Yeah, and I mean, they're not going to avoid like Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're... Or listeners- Manhattan. <laughs> their listenership on... Yeah, I mean, of all places. Um, their listenership on Spotify is 21,000 monthly listeners. And according to Spotify... It's not bad. Uh, not bad? Uh, yeah, it's, I guess it's not. That they uh, have... The, the most listeners are based in London, and then Toronto, mm-hmm. Toronto, and then Madrid, and then Dublin, and then Frankfurt. So I don't know if they'll be coming over stateside. If they do, it would be Toronto, because that's their second largest listenership. Well, I mean, the Anglophile, I'll go. I've never listened to one song. I'd be in the front row. You want to go to Toronto? If they came to Toronto to play a Not show? To, no, Toronto. If they came to <laughs> okay. New York City, I would be there in, in the front row. Or, you know, any East Coast city. But Canada's a bridge too far for you. I'm not going. I'm not crossing country lines to see a half hour performance by Lady Mary and Andy. I don't know. Even, unless you promise me, Laura Carmichael was in the audience proper and not That's hiding true. in the green room. She's got to be at one of these shows supporting her husband. Got to be. And her like work sister. Yeah, absolutely. And there's got to be some other doubt uh, alumni showing up at those shows. I mean, yeah, I. I I'm curious to see what their set list is, if anyone's going to post that. <laughs> I want to know, mm-hmm. do they do any covers? That is true. I mean, if they're doing like coffeehouse stuff, there's lots of coffeehouse-ish music that would be complimentary. I mean, she's a good singer. He's a he's a fine singer. That is the one thing. They they can sing. I can say that much based on the, the music that they played or that I listened to on, on, the, on Spotify from them. And actually, someone already posted their set list online from today, on January twenty second, and it's no, all it. it's all originals. <laughs> oh wow, big yeah. egos! They don't want they don't want the people to leave happy for the music. Yeah, there, there's no covers going on here. So, well, maybe they'll listen to this and they'll say, "Let's throw in a James Taylor cover." <laughs> something, something, because that that is one thing is like people going to the show. You have to imagine they, unless they're real diehards. They don't know the full <laughs> their their full catalog. They can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, you're not there for that. It, you're not there for the music. You're there for the celebrity. Well, I, I don't want to begrudge them too much, but more than likely, yes. Uh, so, hey. anyways, Keanu's band played New Haven. It sold out in like two minutes. You think anyone listened to any Dog Star before? Oh, absolutely. They had a they had a following. Are you kidding me? Okay, so maybe two people of the. <laughs> Thousand in there and listen to Dogstar. Yeah. Because uh, Dogstar and Spotify, they have... <laughs> listeners are just like tuning out now. Like, get it, get it. <laughs> Dogstar has triple the listenership at least of... Uh, oh, wow. 60K. My, yeah, Michael and Michelle. <laughs> well, Michael and Michelle still on the up, the, the up and up. Yeah. And with that in mind, also on the up and up, new power couple, Fred, Frederick Trenchard and Clara mm-hmm. Trenchard. Yeah. The boy gets it done this episode. <laughs> he, uh, he he does the deed, and we should we should talk about how he get there, huh? 
Mm-hmm. So another another straightforward episode. I feel like this show is is, is has its its mission mission statement set and it goes right for it. There's no the subtlety is not really all that that there. Yeah, uh, I mean the focus is very much Trenchard's Freddie and Clara, and what is going on with them. Hmm. We got a new couple new characters this week. Yeah, I mean, so where do we want to start? Because like, aside from them, there's just a lot of small things going on on the side. I think we can talk about the Duke and the Duchess, and is the boy Peter? Peter. Yeah, their son is Peter. And Doctor Ellerby. That's pretty straightforward. Because yeah. that was a pretty big diversion last week through a seemingly no wait. So Yeah, and so they kind of clarify early in this episode where the Duke and Duchess are in bed together and she's talking about Frederick and I, she seems to know what's going on with him and his wife. Because uh, I think they were at the the event at least the night before where they left in a, uh-huh. they left in a hurry from. Uh, so that we that's where our first inkling, of, oh, they're familiar with each other. Uh, mm-hmm. At least as far as I'm aware, uh, but she conveys to the Duke like you know there's something off with our boy. The boy ain't right. <laughs> he, he's just a little bit different from the rest of our family, and the Duke is just not hearing it. He he's not thinking anything of it. He's like, nah, he'll grow up. Yeah, he he's like, yeah, no, it's good. Mm-hmm. But and 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 she's like, well, the doctor said maybe we he has some ideas on how to get. Old Pete, you know, social and maybe managing the issue. And the Duke is gets all up in arms and he's like, this affects me. Yeah. This is our lineage on, line, on the line. And for, you know, like, F off. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm the Duke. You're the Duchess. Uh, and so she kind of takes it into her own hands to go consult with Ellerby. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Ellerby, she's saying, like, is there anything that could possibly happen when I was carrying him? Because there's nothing, he's, he's not like the rest of our family. So is there anything that could have gone mm-hmm. wrong? D- did I carry him incorrectly? And Ellerby's just like, I don't know. I, I think he's, he just needs some love and care. <laughs> some tenderness. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't seem like he's, like, from what we are subjected to mm-hmm. in this episode and the last episode, he's not like King George and Queen Charlotte, where he's mad at night and need to be sedated or, or waterboarded in oh, order to try to get <laughs> that's true so it could be getting worse but at the same time he every instance we really get with him he just seems like adhd mm-hmm. he's running through the streets or you know the last time we saw him he was bolting out of the house and right and it, we know we we know seizures are a thing that that is a confirmed part of his diagnosis yeah Ellerby El- says it just you know maybe if he sees other children <laughs> just try that out and see how that goes. Uh, and yeah, that and then Claire, uh, not Claire, the Duke says to the, the Duchess says to the Duke, like, hey, maybe expose him to his siblings. And the Duke's like, I don't care. Yeah, you figure it out. And, and the Duke even has the gall to, like, walk by on the staircase as they're having this conversation. And, and the Duchess says to him, hey, this is the, this is a doctor, you know, like he's he's really helping us with our with our boy. And he's like, yeah, okay, hi. <laughs> yeah, be easy. But this guy stinks. I hate him. The Duke? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got, he's busy. Uh, as we know from other shows, Dukes are just doing things that are important. 
Duke business. Yeah. Dookie business. <laughs> He's got some dookies to lay. Uh, so Peter is running around. I, I, I didn't even recognize that was him, like their son, when they said, oh, it's that, it's that child. It's like, oh, oh, that child. So, yeah, he, he's on the loose in the morning. And yes. This is towards the end of the episode. Yep. And so there's people searching for Peter, and none other than Ellerby comes out through the, the bushes to, to find him because – Clara actually goes out on her own, Clara Trenchard, and she she is engaging with Peter like, "Hey, boy, you you're the one mm-hmm. I saw that day. Right? What's what's going on with you?" And Ellerby shows up like, "Oh, don't mind him. He he we're we're, we're working on him." <laughs> and yeah, yeah that, that's where we are with that kid. Yeah, and that's it. That's all we get for him. But I mean, clearly this is going to be a thi- but we also do see that Clara kind of has the magic way of communicating with him mm-hmm. like he for all we've been enlightened about him he has these issues he's not socializing he's not sociable doesn't have any friends he doesn't have any peers and we see that clara is is brazen enough in her sort of societal ignorance that she just like goes up she's like hi yeah how are you like what's going on and and she kind of keeps an eye on this guy, mm-hmm. this boy, before <laughs> the the doctor comes and intercepts. And yeah, and so the last aside we can make about this is just the LRB of it all. Where earlier in this episode, he goes to check on her to see how she's doing after her fall. He gets turned away. She's not interested in his uh, treatment or support. And uh-huh. at the end of the episode, when he bumps into her, he acknowledges it. Like, hey, you turned me away earlier. Like, you sure you're okay? And she's like, I know who you are and what you're trying to do. You can stay away, brother. <laughs> I don't like the cut of your jib. Um, she's, I picked up on your tone before, and I don't like it. Do you think, because I interpreted last episode when he was, like, kind of feeling her around her stomach. Like, maybe he was checking for a baby or something. But maybe, she, am I reading this wrong that she may have interpreted it as him like copping a feel on her on her body to see how she's feeling? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. But I think that obviously, I think the tone was that she was abused, mm. and that she was unhappy. Okay. And I think, and I think that that's what she inferred when she's like, "I don't like your tone," and I picked it up up on it last time. Mm-hmm. And also, I think that, I mean, I guess the question in my head is, is there going to be some sort of repercussions later? Is she just going to have, is she going to collapse or something like that? And it's because she didn't get a follow-up checkup? Yeah, this guy seems to me like an Esther. That's how he seemed in the last episode in this one, too. Uh I think he's looking for his end to get the dirt on some of these families. So to be kind of turned away by one, I think, isn't going to sit well with him. Uh, That's true. He just looks off. Yeah, and he has a weird thing. Is I think they're trying to make him like sweet, and, and I don't think so. I don't. I don't pick up. on You don't that think at all. so? No. He has. I, his... I pick. I. I feel like he's kind of like the the special needs kid whisperer here. No, I think he's like making the kid worse. I think that's what the reveal is going to be. He's the he's the reason why the okay. kid is getting better. I, I mean, I hope that's what they do. <laughs> uh, just because there was just a weird gleam in his eye when he was looking at Clara, like. It did not look like he wished her well, you know? So I don't think he... I think he's in it for himself, whatever he's up to, this LRB character. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I, 
I'm curious to see where it goes. I am. I think it would be a weird angle to make him like evil. But then again, the Bridgerton did it, so yeah, wouldn't be the first time that you make some altruistic doctor who's, you know, sort of a therapy affiliate or you know avatar in the 1800s mm-hmm. actually a bad guy. So, well, let's keep talking about like the surrounding help uh, on uh-huh. the show. So the end right of it all, the you know the Mr. Carson, if you will, or Church or Bannister. Um, we see him passing off a note to Maud early in this episode and telling her to keep it discreet and to herself. We don't know what that is. He's no, that's something. a fellow's plot right there. Oh, yeah. What, what do you think he wrote in that note, Dave? What do you think he could possibly need to keep secret? It, were, it said, like, do you want to go on a date with me? Circle <laughs> yes or no. Check yes or no. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what what could be going on there. We do get a sense that things are not kosher between uh, Enright and his wife. Because uh-huh. at one point in this episode, uh, Frederick's uh, businessman comes to visit. He's he's downstairs, and he's taking a sip of uh, Miss Enright's soup. And he's saying, hey, how long until I, I can come hop on your back or something, huh? Which well, it, it, the the line is something about how how um, Clara and Frederick are so happy now, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Well, when do I get to see you on your back?" And it's like, well, "Okay, Ross." Yeah, this guy, this Ross guy. I mean, I guess we can just kind of talk about him, mm-hmm. lump him in. We don't get too much of him. He's Frederick's business partner who yeah is just kind of yanked around town on Frederick's behalf. Yeah, and he seems he's he's kind of a salt of the earth guy. It doesn't seem like in a lot of these shows they try to make the business partner like the confidant or the friend. Mm-hmm. This guy seems pure business. Like yeah, they so, don't really seem like buddies. And when he goes downstairs to talk, he seems a little bit resentful. You know, like tonally resentful of the. Uh, upper crust i feel like that's how mr murray would be on downton abbey if we spent more time with him he'd be like man robert is just spending all his money on this ponzi scheme and he won't listen to me yeah oh well Uh, i mean i think i think mr murray might be a little nicer than than this guy i don't think he would go Mm -hmm. being like a a a-hole and a a gossip stirrer downstairs the way that this guy is but you do. They do leave the camera on Miss Enright after he walks away, where she she Mister Enright walks in. And he doesn't give her the time of day, and she's like, oh, "What about that guy who was right there uh, for me, uh, who seemed interested?" And the thing is, he seems much younger than her too. So there's a little bit of uh-huh. like, "Oh hey, young gun versus the the old man in the white beard." And she does make the comment to him where she she says like, "You you are too forward, <laughs> like yeah, you got to cool down, man." Mm-hmm. Go take a cold shower. Yeah. And so, Mr. Enright, the last piece, he engages with Clara uh, because she's asking him about Trenchard's, uh, Frederick's brother, um, which we'll talk about more, I guess, later. But he's very absolute in saying, like, don't bother Frederick about that. It's, it's not uh-huh. worth digging into. And he's just like, keep, keep, stay, keep on your own path. Stay away from this. He's like, some things are, some stones are better left unturned. And Clara's like, well, I already know a little bit. And he's like, stop, lady. Enright knows some things that we are going to have to find out. Because. Yeah. 
Otherwise, he, I don't. But he's not. We he don't doesn't know much seem about as him. like a like. I feel like Mr. Carson never seemed like about to implode. Mm-hmm. I feel like this Enright guy is is on a fine line where like something might happen with him. Yeah, and, and it, we even have the whole contention too of Clara asserting herself downstairs this episode where she's saying like, "Oh, I want to have uh, influence over the menu and what you're serving," mm-hmm. and that kind of chafes at all of them downstairs, and. I don't know. Is is Enright going to do something to be like, no, 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 you don't tell us what to do. <laughs> I could see it. Could happen. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, I, it's hard for me to get a read on the downstairs because, uh, I like we said, we Mr. Enright seemed like a doting person on Fred, uh, Frederick, but there's got to be something else going on there because he just seems too up to something. Meanwhile, with uh, was it Glanville from last week? Is Glanville? He there's like no follow up on like his mysterious past that we spent a well, whole time. Gl- Glanville is the pl- is the home. Oh, not Glanville. I'm sorry, sorry. Uh, Fletcher. Fletcher is who I'm thinking of. There's no follow up on Fletcher's mysterious past in this episode that we sat down for a whole scene to to talk about uh, with the the new helper. Uh huh. Is it? Which is it? Lady Newberry is the new helper. Um. But. There's a lot of new characters here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's also oh, the the guy who I don't I'm looking through because I don't remember getting his name. Mm-hmm. The young man who stole the bottle of out the of wine or alcohol. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was meant to be humorous, like you know, just as like its own random aside thing, because that's like a new character we had not seen, and so he just uh-huh. they ordered all this booze and he just kind of puts it to the side. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, well, this looks good, and he just sneaks one off. Yeah, just let it be a joke. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think this will come back. You know, I this, is that a, this is a trope we've seen before. I want that bottle of brandy. <laughs> he's gonna get drunk, like mostly. Yeah. Um, is there anything else going on downstairs? Not in, uh, not in this house. Yeah. We see, uh, so I mean, I guess we can just say, because it's vaguely unrelated to the the plot of it, all the romantic mm-hmm. family plot going on. Um, we see that Frederick has an interest in starting a steel mine, or not a steel mine, like a steel mill. I don't know what you would call yeah, it. Yeah, he wants to make a, uh, st- like a, a, a foundry for steel. Yes, making. there you go. There, you, That's the word we're looking for. So he wants to know if he can turn an iron foundry into a steel foundry. So that's where we first meet Ross and his like ten story top hat, mm-hmm. and it's so funny because this whole beginning of this episode is, oh, where did Tre- Fre- Frederick go? He left in the morning in a hurry. What what's going on with him? What could be up to? And he walks down an alley, and then we get the worst CGI you'll ever see of him staring at like this like you know foundry of Abercrombie. It's mm-hmm. called, and he, he, that's where he's inspired the steel because per the conversation he had with the Marquis the night before the Marquess. Uh, that they she's interested in railways and that's that's where their money is at. So I think theoretically you create steel, it can go towards the railways, and you got real money coming in. Yeah, yeah. Now this this was a lot of like nothing. This plot because you can see it coming like a mile away that he's interested, and then he's like, "Well, let me talk to some people." You know, he's gonna talk to the Marquise. I'm actually looking up the uh, 
Marquise is how we would pronounce that. Okay, Marquise. So the Marquise, uh, how he's he's like, oh, I'm gonna interrupt it or and talk to an investor, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, so he's gonna talk to the Marquise about it. Done. He's gonna, you know, you know exactly yeah. where this is going. But I don't think and it's then, that irrelevant of a plot line though, because it does have the the effect of when she comes to look at his offering, you know, that he's like putting mm-hmm. together. She advises him, like, oh, I like your wife. You should trust her. Like, she seems like a good person. And it's from there that he says, oh, okay, I should take her to Granville, get her to know my family and stuff. Like, you know, I, he, he, so, I mean, this is all kind of tied together. But early in the episode, he apologizes for his behavior from the night before, which is something he did last episode, where every time he acted like a jerk, he'd do the thing of, like, no, I didn't mean to. I'm just a piece of trash. Um, uh huh. And so he does this, that this episode, but it's when he's talking to her about the potential of the steel found, foundry and her telling him you need to get business approval um, and then saying your wife is great. That he, does he then think, okay, maybe it is necessary for me to try and work on being there for my wife, you know, if the Marquis yeah, likes yeah. her. So it's all connected there. Yeah. So she keeps kind of playing hard to get. She's like, I don't know. I'll look at your presentation. I'll think about it. I'm not going to commit. Mm-hmm. And then he throws a dinner. They all throw a dinner. Him and his and Clara throw a dinner. And is it just the the guy the guy who winds up in bed with the the marquee? That's the her help, right? Yeah, that's definitely that can't be her husband. I don't think. No, because in this last sequence where Peter's running around the the streets, mm-hmm. we kind of see the whole town peering out the window, all of Belgravia looking out the window to watch this happen, kind of. Yeah, casting judgment, and we see this the her her valet or whatever you would call him going to bed with her, and mm-hmm. and this 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 woman is a fi- the kind of firecracker that I think Fellows himself would love to write for. Absolutely, she's a woman who gets what she wants. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, she's powerful. Strong. She she's feminine, but she's also quippy like she's dynamic yeah she's like everything she's she's yeah. the ultimate period drama character where she you go oh she's sleeping with the help and we're not the, the casting only thing judgment is, is she's not the ultimate julian character because the thing is she's french and she has she's in a position of power julian would never mm-hmm. put a french person in a person a, a position of power on his television they're they're meant for mockery for, for julian that that's how he casts the french in all his well I, yeah that's one of julian's better qualities is that <laughs> He does not like the French people at all. Uh, so, a little inversion there of that trope on, on this season of Belgravia. Uh, even though that's that EP money, he can only do so much to right, pre- he's not to, writing the to besmirch the French. Yep. If he wants to really besmirch her, have her invest in Frederick's uh, whole uh, scheme, and then have her lose her money. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. That's how you oh, get yeah. one over. <laughs> um, it's Mod Beaton's company that's that's making the steel. Exactly. To throw it back to Gilded Age. Yep. I think that leaves us with sort of the B and the A plots here. Define the B plot, Dave. The B plot is a reverend mm-hmm. and Emily and Nell. Yes. Uh, so Emily, we remember last year, or last week. Last year. <laughs> it's a, she it's was in, live a, in Belgravia season one. Nope. Um, she is interested in... Finding out what happened to this young woman who threw herself in front of the carriage, but she's also interested in the Reverend James Trenchard. 
Mm -hmm. So she goes to see the reverend and he's, he's not picking up what she's putting down right yet. I don't think she's putting it down though. I don't think she's making it clear. Like, Hey, you're hot. I'm hot. Let's do this. I mean, he's the better, he is the better looking brother. We we talked about it last week. Yeah. Uh, He's he's so not using, come, he's not using just for men and using a, a, a electric shaver uh, on his beard. <laughs> he's yeah he's natural. He's just going down to the skin. It must be maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. It's all natural with him though. Uh, but she she comes in and she's like, "We got to get this girl to." T-. The girl is not talking. Mm-hmm. The young woman who threw herself in front of this carriage. The reverend's like, "I can't keep her here. I'm unmarried." Yep. I have I don't know what to do. And you know, they can't send her to the poorhouse. She's not talking. We don't know what her story is. So Emily comes up with this wonderful idea to when she's eating terrible soup in her house with her mom. Mm-hmm. She said, Anybody's better than this. And she goes, Oh man, this is great. We'll bring in this mute. <laughs> and that way I can get the reverend over it and let him know. That I'm a nice person, and maybe he'll want to marry me. I mean, she doesn't say it like that exactly. She uh, might as well. She doesn't say anything to her mom. She doesn't have any faith in her mom. No, it's 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 her building inroads with this guy to get in deeper with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and, I mean, we saw last week how quickly her sister got engaged to sure. Frederick. Yeah, and this is another one of them trenchers. Maybe they're all fast movers. Could be. She does the the sly thing of making her mom feel like she's the one who had the idea of like, oh yeah, bring in this person that we found in the street. Mm-hmm. We don't really get much of Nell's uh, perspective on if she wants to be part of this or anything. It's just like, no, we're trying to take care of her. Don't don't care what she thinks. Just keep bringing her around. Yeah, and I understand the like the mysterious stranger aspect mm-hmm. of Nell, who when she comes to the house to get settled into the job, it's not the Reverend, the vicar himself. It's two old ladies that are sort of coming in his stead. Do you think so she has a connection Emily's... to Enright? Who? Um, Nell? No. Yeah. No, I don't think okay. so. Well, but Nell, you know, Emily goes into the kitchen and she's like, you, I got to know your name at least. Mm-hmm. And she, we hear Nell. Yeah. And <laughs> Emily's like, tell the priest we have our first miracle. And it's like, okay. And we don't see him this for the rest moving. of the episode. Uh, the nope. reverend <laughs> he's not around but it is funny because uh, she tells her mom don't say anything about him like let's not let's kind of keep this on a low but later on they're having this dinner and she reveals it she she says like oh I didn't know this guy was your brother <laughs> Freddy uh, and Frederick's like, oh yeah uh, yeah St. Saint, Saint Jude's yeah that's that's him that's that guy mm-hmm. and that's about it but when she talks to uh, Claire at the end of this episode, Emily's like, you know, he's just a good guy, and then there's some other qualities I like about him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she doesn't... Some physical qualities. Right. She won't say it. She won't spell it out or admit it. It's like, just wait until you see him. <laughs> You're going to prefer him to the one you got. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be regretting that you, you settled. Um, there's a reason Dad didn't beat him. <laughs> he's handsome. Uh, so why don't we get to that, the heart of the matter here? Yep. Frederick is Frederick and Clara are, are sort of turning a new leaf in their marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like we were saying earlier, that he invites her to Glanville and they they 
they go there and she's already been asserting herself around the house and he's already apologized for his actions. So they're, they're doing better, but he's, he's having flashbacks to Oliver beating him again. We see the same exact <laughs> again, scene, the same, same scene, same it's footage. Like, it's so strange because like we even get a preview from this or not preview a recap of the last episode at the top which shows that scene so it's like if you missed the first episode and you missed a preview of this episode and are just tuning in this is what's going on MGM Uh, Plus there you go wonderful streamer yep and so uh, Frederick displays some of the worst qualities a man can have where he's just asking for affirmation from her like can you love me can you be a good person for me? It's like, dude, she already agreed to marry you and take you, you know, for better. Yeah, she, she's with you. <laughs> Dummy. You are so dumb, Frederick. Like, come on. Stop <laughs> needing that approval. You're, an, you're a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, get it together. Um, she says yes. And then he's like, okay. Let's go to Bone Town. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's, hey, I, I think uh, are we, we're jumping the gun on exactly how that all goes down. What do you mean? When they're where they go to Bone oh, Town, oh, I think yeah, it's very. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this all happens because he doesn't show up to dinner. Mm-mm. She's sitting at the dinner table and she goes, "I like this guy's gaslighting me." I I per, I mean, he's mentally unstable. Yeah. I don't think he's intentionally hurting anybody. He just has unresolved trauma. So she goes upstairs. He's in the bedroom, and she he he says, "You know, come on over here." He says, "This is the bed that my dad died on." And let's vote on it. Oh, oh my God! I'm so sorry that you're saying. I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, Were you there? You know, were you able to be there when it happened? And he said, "No, the only person he wanted around was my brother." Mm -hmm. And she didn't even know about the Reverend until earlier in the episode in the nursery when she sees both of their cribs. Yeah, and she he says that you know the the love swapped and he sent for. You know, he sent Frederick away. And then yeah. they start have, talking about, like, you know, can you love me? I right, need this, he, you know, he, I need... he has no idea why his father turned on him, uh, according uh-huh. to how he sees it. And he blames... He doesn't blame his father, though. He he blames James for doing whatever he did to turn his father yeah, like on him. Like usurping, yeah. Yeah, which is strange. It's like, oh, I thought your dad who abused you was the problem. You don't blame him. Okay, okay, it must be the brother who told the daddy to then beat you and send you away. I don't know. I mean, and in fairness, we have um, Susan, Alice, Eve, and her one line saying, never cry. Like, yeah, this is a lose, lose, lose situation for everybody here. And so they're sitting on the bed talking and then they just start like, she goes, you know, they start kissing Mm -hmm. and then she goes and locks the door. And it's like, okay. (laughs) I thought she was going to be like, Let's go to another bedroom that your father did not die in. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, you poop when you pass away, I think, right? So they want to go at it okay. where his where his dad pooped the bed. Okay. Sure. Sure. I hope they clean the bed sheets a few times. But I, I, you know, I thought they might do, because this episode does establish that there are some, th- this is a, a noticeably more horny show than most of the fellows output where. I don't know about that. We have this Ross fellow. Telling Mrs. Enright that he wants to see her on her back. We have the Marquis waking up with her help looking out the window. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe she would be like, well, look, if your dad was such a jerk, why don't we disrespect, you know, like, why don't we besmirch the place where he lay? But no, she's just like genuine moment of yeah. love between the two of them. 
No, it, it definitely struck me. It's like, they're going to do this right where the dad... Okay, all right, you know. And then they wake up and they stay, they stay in the sheets all night. Yeah, and, and they say, I think... I know, just, I know they've been washed. Yeah. This doesn't change the fact that it's a little, little gross. It's 1800s washing, too. How clean are those sheets? Mm, uh, not clean. What's no. baseline clean? Right. And, and so they're like, oh, man, we missed dinner last night. Well, I guess we can get breakfast now. What do the what do the help think? You know, <laughs> the the help's got to be like making jokes about it. Like you're probably like, well, we're eating the food then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so good for them. And yeah, good for them. It definitely seems like they're on a, a better path now between the two of them. Like they seem a little bit. He seems a little tr- more trusting of Clara. Yes, and I I really pray that this is not. Poldark did this thing where. There was a lot of men with PTSD after the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Ennis talks to one guy, and then it's like, or Dr. Ennis and, and Ross almost, yep. like, bro down one day, and then they're like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that this show might, I really hope they don't make it like one night in bed and that one conversation can cure his well, anxiety. I- so the the thing that they keep lingering throughout the episode, and this will probably wrap up this whole episode, is you know she finds that illustration of the two brothers as children, where they're wearing the family uh, pendants, and um, that is the one thing we got from Fletcher this episode is he was cleaning up the mess of the broken pendant and he threw it in the trash, and they're like, oh, what's going on there? I don't know, man. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> but she she clocks like, oh, that's the brother, and then after she finds out that it's the Reverend James uh, that her sister knows, she looks at the picture again, and she's like. Oh, that's James. Oh, he has blonde hair, maybe? <laughs> but mm. it, it definitely stirs the interest on her part of wanting to get to know his brother, which I think will stoke the flames of their relationship because he's pretty much said, like, I don't mess with that guy. And he hasn't said, don't mess with him, but I don't think he probably wants her to mess with him. And who knows? Maybe they'll have natural chemistry that will then put her at odds with Claire. Or, yeah, with Emily, rather. Clara and Emily just going at it, got it over this reverend when she's already married. I don't and know. It, it, it seems as though Clara is pretty upset, not like not like furious, but annoyed mm-hmm. at Emily for bringing up the reverend at dinner too. Yeah, the like dinner to impress the marquee later in the episode. So, yeah, I think I, I feel I was gonna say I feel like there's there's a little more to unpack, but the more we talk, the more I feel like that we have covered this whole episode. So it was an odd episode in how the directions it, it, it went in, you know, because it does, all mm-hmm. didn't really seem like it was it, it was linear in terms of Clara and Frederick, but like everything else just kind of seems it's all kind of ping ponging around. It's not you know, coming together just yet. Um, yeah, the, I feel like they they split all these pieces so early last week. Like Emily and Clara were sisters. And by the end of the episode, they were like living in different places and not, we, we didn't know what their sister relationship really was. And we see like Emily this week is talking about how she hasn't been invited over. And when Clara says, oh, I hope we see you more. She says, well, you know where we live. Yeah. So I think there's all these sort of tonal jabs that are thrown in that I think aren't quite justified yet because last mm-hmm. week was so, so much exposition to get the ball rolling. And we did get the comment from uh, one of our listeners that 
has been watching the first season of Belgravia where they said it doesn't make sense yet. There are only a few episodes in, but like it doesn't make sense like what's going on and how it comes together. And that just maybe the Belgravia approach of just like throw the puzzle pieces on the ground and you, it's kind of like you know what the big picture is, but now let's get these puzzle pieces into place. And so it kind of feels a little scattered and we're, we're, we'll get there. We just got to uh-huh. get through it all. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm treading lightly on this show. I don't want to say I dislike it, but I'm having a hard time really sinking my teeth into it. Sure, I will say that it seems a little bit more loose and uptight than the first season, and you see it with like the the help putting the the bottle to the side, um, the marquee uh, marquise uh, being around and giving all the quips and stuff. Like it definitely seems like they're a little bit more aware there's some humor that can be mined here uh, from the characters. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is an okay episode. Need, need some momentum. For for sure. Yeah. I feel okay. like this is so different because I think the last kind of program that we watched that we were, that had down moments was the last, the last season of the crown, not the final season, but every time we did it, we're like, this is just a little bit uh, too simple for what we're mm-hmm. used to in the world of period dramas. But it's not bad. It's just simple. Whereas this is just as character heavy and plot, so many moving pieces. It's just not up to snuff yet. It feels simple. <laughs> it feels yeah. like it could be end up being simple. Oh, I did. We yeah. did forget yeah. to mention that when um, Emily is home at one point and they're planning to have the Reverend introduce the new help uh, of Nell, there's those two old ladies from church there. Yep. <laughs> and they're gossiping like, oh, yeah, uh, Mr. Bart took a turn for the worse. The vicar, you know, he sends his apologies. Yeah, can we get some tea? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, can you make, can you bring this mute to make the tea? Yeah, so good for them having the time of their life. Yeah, enjoy. <laughs> yeah, so this week we got the power rankings. I had a struggle this week with the downs, though, because it wasn't that down for a lot of characters. They're just kind of living their life. Yeah, we're still. There's too many pieces in play. Mm-hmm. But who do you have going down? Well, number three, I got Oliver uh, because okay. <laughs> they they did it in his bed. This guy who had Fre- Freddie whipped and and under his thumb. All of a sudden, they're getting they're they're going to need some new sheets on your bed, brother. <laughs> okay. He, he's rolling in his grave just a little bit, tossing and turning. He deserves it. Yep. Well, going at number three, I got Emily because. She she's like not the captain of her own ship. She tries to she thinks she's making a pass at the Reverend. It's just not a pass. She is not doing a good job flirting with this guy. I don't guy. think she knows. I don't think she is doing that just yet. There, she's a little too cha- chast to to be so forward with him. I think, and that's just I, I don't know. Well, I, I think there's a difference between being forward and like f- flirting. Yeah, I mean her and flirting is she, saying, "Isn't the Lord great?" Oh yeah, this is what we do for God, huh? Uh huh. And also, I just think tonally, she does kind of go back to being kind of a brat to her sister here, too. Like, mm-hmm. we're not all... And, and she tries to get credit for the Nell stuff. Doesn't work. I think she she's... Yeah. She doesn't, like, take a, a beating, but she doesn't leave stronger than where she started. Yeah. Well, number two going down, I got the Duchess of Rochester. She's got a boy she needs to put on a leash. He is running wild, and he's mm-hmm. not getting any better. She's in distress. It, it, I don't know what she's going to do, and she's got a trash husband in the Duke, so it's not good times to be the Duchess. Well, similarly speaking, I've got 
the good doctor. Mm-hmm. And number two, Dr. Ellerby. Well, he's my number one going down. Well, the Duchess is my number one going down, so we got a little flippy floppy going on. Well, there you go. The, the, the doctor is overstepping his boundaries. He's, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's following, um, what is it? The, hippo, the hypocritic oath? Hippoc- Hippocratic oath? Well, <laughs> he, is a, he, he is a hypocritic. Yeah. Um, he's definitely crossing some lines that he shouldn't be crossing professionally. Mm-hmm. And Clara puts him in his place. And I think he means well, you don't. But there's no denying that he gets a smackdown. From this woman who finds this boy he's supposed to be watching. Yeah. No, Clara, Clara lets him know, like, I don't like the way you're talking. They're Tony Free Voice. Get out of here. Uh, but, yeah. Duchess, same reasons, Dave. Going down number one. Yeah, and the husband. Like, the fact that they're mm-hmm. just trying to have a conversation at breakfast and she won't even give... He won't even give her the time of day. Yep. I yeah, would, I, I... I would say I, this I can't episode, stand it. They they needed to like have a, like an audio drop of uh, who let the dogs out when that kid is running around town. Just, even if it didn't fit, just let it play. Who let the dogs out? And then there's this little boy running around. <laughs> Come on, um, Dave. Who's going up? Number three going up. I got Clara. Okay. Because she doesn't like own. She doesn't win the episode. There's still a lot of trepidation about. How she's going to feel like she really needs to settle into the to Frederick and she's still nervous. And when she goes downstairs to talk about the menu, she kind of hears all the downstairs staff running their mouths about her as she's waiting to go upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Good week for her. But like, you know, like the reason she's not higher in my book is she seems more like last week was her coming out ceremony and this week is her settling in ceremony. Yeah. So. She's well, not a loser, but she's not the big winner. I got the other sister at number three going up because okay, I think she does get the credit for bringing in Nell. Like Reverend James does, I think you know he he's sparking to uh, Emily. He likes to have her around, and I think she's doing a net good thing for Nell. And then also she takes the power move. She does the power move of, of revealing, oh hey, that brother of yours, he's he's a reverend. Y'all didn't know that. I knew that. It's like, oh man, she is not afraid to just kind of let it be known what she's doing here. So, mm-hmm. and all, and we have different definitions of flirting, Dave. So I think she's doing just fine with where she needs to be with him. Okay, let's. I mean, I'm curious to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, number two going up, I got the Marquise. Same, I got her at number two as well. She's she does she, she operates so trans like she's just right there on front street. She's like, this is what I think. This is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be on your timeline. You need to wait for me. Be cool. Also, be good to your wife. Also, I'm going to go bang my 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 valet. And also, I'm going to wear this bustier. Look at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, man, they they she she is a brazen one. Good for her. And, and she's yeah pulling the purse string. She's like, I may or may not invest in you, Frederick. I know you talked to your board and you got everything going well for you. Just wait and see. I don't care. I'm not that easy. And we see she talks to the Duke, I believe. About, mm-hmm. or she talks to one of the uh, uh, the older dude that's that's his confidant, confidant who we meet last week, mm-hmm. and and she's like, tell me about him. I need to know more. She's she's playing yeah. this game. Yep. Well, so good on her, Dave. Who's going up for you at number one then? I got Fred, man. This really? is 
I think this is a big bounce back from last week. Oh man, this guy's a dud. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's not Charles Pope dud level. Sure, but tell tell me why he, he's number one. I think this message from the Marquise is so resonant with him. Mm-hmm. Takes it to heart, makes his marriage right, t- tells her his trouble, his trauma, addresses it, and then gets physical with his wife. They're operating on a strong level. He comes up with this idea for this steel, what you know, steel foundry. foundry. Um, that's working out for him. And we see like, aside from the fact that he's got to deal with his brother, but he owns up with owns up to stuff about that. Mm-hmm. It just seems like he means well. Yeah, I don't think he has any ill intent, and I think this is a definite. And obviously. He talks about how his dad hated him, and then he goes and knocks boots on his dad's bed. Like, that's revenge. This man gets revenge this week. Well, well, well yeah. I mean, that, that is the one clear win there. I mean, we'll see how it goes with the Steel Foundry and if that works out. But, I mean, it really takes Marquise telling him, hey, you got a good wife there, for him to be like, oh, yeah, she's kind of she's kind of got it going on. Let's do this. Uh-huh. Let's lose her behavior. Now, Claire is number one for me, man. Like, she is the one she she gets it from from Frederick because she just is just stays true to herself and even humbles herself a little bit to say like no 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 I'm sorry and she finally gets it but I think also the way she asserts herself with Ellerby is good letting people know like I'm gonna be pushed around same thing with the downstairs saying like my mom had a menu I want a menu and even if she hears the buzz I don't think it's gonna bother her that much because she's gonna keep doing what she wants she's Clara. Uh, and she gets that scar off her face real fast. She bounces back from from falling down. Uh-huh. And yeah, honestly, I, I don't know. I think Clara, she's going to be the key to unlocking this whole mystery, especially with the Reverend James of it all. So here for it. Yeah, I'm, I am very curious to see where this goes. There's so many different ways that it can go. Mm-hmm. It's not like Gilded Age where it starts where we're going to have an opera house. Yeah, and at the end of the season, there's the opera house. Like this show, I don't. What's the end game? I don't know. They get married in episode one. I don't. I'm genuinely where? Where's Where's Belasis? Bring him out. That's got to be maybe Enright knows Belasis. Maybe he worked for the Belasis family. Imagine, I would. I would be so happy if we got <laughs> John Belasis to come back. Oh, that would explain why he's like so doting on uh, Frederick. It's because he's the uh, confidant of Belasis. That would be great. Oh, man, he's getting paid. He's getting a nickel a day. That's what that paper is. Could be. It could be. Oh, man. That would pop so hard. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that next week on uh, Bill Gravia. Dave, have you had time to watch anything else? I did actually have a little time to watch something that show that I think both of us enjoy. Okay. And I think anyone who watches it enjoys it. Return to Netflix on Sunday or Saturday. Mm -hmm. Love on the Spectrum is back. Oh, I have not had a chance to check it out. So I think, you know, in this world of all the sort of media that we consume, that's, uh, you know, I could be watching True Detective or Echo or any of these number of things, especially after a weekend around so many mm-hmm. nerds. I wanted to watch something about <laughs> humans being nice to each other and getting along. Yeah. And I watched the first two episodes of the new season and it was uh, everything you want it to be. It's no, so, is, it's a, is this the American version or the Australian version? American. Okay. The American one didn't sit quite as well with me as the Australian 
one just because it felt like there was more intentionality of like trying to put these people on dates where I felt like the Australian mm-hmm. one worked with them a little bit more just to get them like feeling comfortable around others. Um, There's, I think there, there it's, it is definitely not as pure as the mm-hmm. Australian one, but most of the characters I like a lot. So okay. it's, I mean, it's, and it's so easy to watch. Yeah, no, I definitely want to check it out. What about uh, you? Have you watched anything? Well, a couple of people asked me, like, you got to watch The Traders uh, on Peacock uh, because it's got a couple of people from Big Brother. It's got some familiar faces from Survivor on there and The Challenge. And lo and behold, I'm three and a half episodes deep. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it really, the most charming thing about it is Alan Cumming saying about a dozen times an episode, who's a traitor? <laughs> That's Wait, is that a reality show? Yeah, it's a reality show. I keep seeing the poster for it when I go on Peacock, and I'm like, Alan Cumming is in some new show. Like, what's going on? Yeah, I didn't know it was a reality show. Yeah, there, there's the faithful, the faithful, and the traitor, <laughs> and among y'all is a is a traitor. <laughs> it's, I can't get enough of it. Uh, and it's all right. It's it's not that smart of a show, but it's it's eminently watchable. It's very just background noise, and it really is just comes down to hearing Alan Cumming say traitor. And someone's going to get murdered. Every episode, murder. All right. It's Peacock, baby. I mean, you get what you pay for, $5 a month. Mm-hmm. You get Mario. You get wrestling. You get Love Island. There you go. Yeah, the someone from, there's a few people from Love Island on there. Bergy. Do you know Bergy, Dave? I only watched one season of Love Island, <laughs> okay. and it was way too much for me. All right. Well, just so you know, it's there <laughs> if, if you need okay. something to watch. If I, I do like Alan Cumming. Who doesn't? Oh, yeah. Very charming. Um, okay. That's this week on the podcast. We're going to do a bonus episode this week because both Dave and I are big wrestling fans. We've seen the Iron Claw, so we're going to talk about that in depth. So if you want to hear us on the Patreon and join our Lord's Grantham Lounge, you can And keep in mind, dollars. Downton Abbey's very own Lily James is a major part of the Iron Claw. So. We'll discuss it. Uh, otherwise, you can find us at any podcasting platform that you listen to. Leave us a five-star rating, rating and review if you so choose. Uh, at gmail.com if you want to hit us up or leave a comment wherever you find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and we will catch you next time on the pod. Thank you all. Yeah.